0: God that uh, my mentor, uh, my brother, my friend, and his dear wife, my cousin, Dr. Bishop Darnell Williams was coming to Atlanta for a funeral, and I I could not, when he said that's where they were, I could not have them come this close from Minneapolis where he now is, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. I couldn't I could not allow them to get this close and not take the opportunity for them to speak to their spiritual grandkids because I'm brother's son he's my coach they're my coaches sometimes have been just tremendous encouragement to my life they've pastored for over 17 years and uh built a tremendous ministry in Ohio and uh I'm gonna let him talk a little bit about that when he gets up here but uh, after doing what God did through them in the city of Lyme Ohio God expanded his Moses like uh, authority and and an impact by moving him from a local church to head of the department at North Central University and uh, I am so excited that Dr. Williams is my friend, that you're my big brother, uh, that you and your wife, Master Charlene, have exemplified what it means to be committed to this thing, to sell out and then to see the blessings that come behind that. I want to take this time to welcome you to our pulpit. There's a word for the house. Guys, Get ready, get ready, get ready. Welcome Dr. Bishop Darno, Keith Williams, and Pastor Charlene Williams. Welcome them, please.
1: Love you, man. My brother, just lead us in a little chorus. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me, please? Just lead us in a chorus, anything you choose. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Just begin to worship Him.
2: I'm have- got-
1: We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this new year. Thank you that we can be found in your house, ready to hear your word. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak. Blow the wind of the Spirit over us let the anointing and the power of your presence dwell with us here. And we give you glory. We'll give you honor. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together and bless the Lord?
2: Hallelujah.
1: You may be seated in God's presence. I want to uh, give and express my love and my honor to the Lord Jesus, who is the head of my life. As the worship team was singing, my heart filled with gratitude, like the old chorus that says, when I think of the goodness... I ain't gotta even talk about it. If I just think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out hallelujah. So I had a hallelujah moment in worship because I, as I get older, I appreciate more and more Just what the Lord has done for me. I could take my time in preaching to tell you what the Lord has done. But let me just suffice to say that God found a little 16-year-old boy in Cleveland, Ohio and called him into the ministry. And I am so grateful that all I've endeavored to live is to try to pay the Lord back for all that he's done for me. I give him praise today. I give him honor. I give him glory. I'm thankful for another year, 2023. Can you bless the Lord? I want to thank God. I asked her to pray at the end of the service. Uh, But I want to thank God for my wife, Pastor Charlene Williams. Amen. Amen. March 20th this year we'll be married 30 years. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to thank God for our mother for dear mom Bernice Ross. I don't know if there's a day or two that goes by when my wife and I don't talk about the times and the blessing that you and your husband have been to us in our ministry. I was telling somebody about dad just last week and I started to cry because he impacted my life so much and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for us being here today to be with family, amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, it don't sound like y'all think we're family, so I, maybe I'm at the wrong church. Praise the Lord. I say I'm glad to be with family. Amen. After 30 years of pastoring, my wife and I pastored, we started pastoring in our 20s. Um, God called us from the local church and shifted, totally shifted our ministry last year. We stepped away from the local church pastorate and I accepted an opportunity to become a professor at North Central University where I'm teaching now ministry students, preparing them to go out into the ministry. Uh, One of my leaders asked a very profound question, one of my board members. She said, why did you tell them yes and tell us no? It was a very profound question. She didn't say it as nice as I just said it. (laughs) And I said, because I felt like and we felt like this was an opportunity that the Lord gave us to expand our influence. To go from pastoring a single church in a single community to touching the future ministers that are going forth to plant churches, pastor churches, become future district leaders and executive leaders. I couldn't say no to an opportunity like that. And so we uh, announced to our church the Sunday after Easter that we were leaving and God's providence began to set in work. I told them, my wife and I, that we knew God opened this door for us and we knew the Lord had someone prepared to be their pastor and working with the church for six months. We stayed six months after we announced that we were leaving. Uh, I don't know that there's ever been a, another pastor and his wife who took over a church like we did where we just went to be the guest preachers and we left the pastors. That would take me all day to explain that to you but that's the way it happened. And when we left, we left But we stayed six months after we announced that we were leaving to help the church through a transition. And I tell you, my mother used to love the story about Abraham and how she would say, God always has a ram in the bush. And I tell you, God had a ram in the bush as the next pastor of one church in Lima, a young man that's a family man that's committed to his marriage, that's a great husband and a great father. He has a master's degree, published author, work in small church and large church. He was just a stellar uh, candidate for the church. And I am so glad that Pastor Andrew and and the other siblings, younger brother Paul is now serving, Paul Ross is serving as the pastor of the church that we love. He didn't get it. He didn't get it because of family connection. He got it because he was a qualified leader and prepared himself for this opportunity. And he's doing quite well, amen? So we are so happy. Today I stand before you not as to preach. When I was a local pastor I was very intentional about who I would bring to preach for me. I brought people because of the deposit that they could make into the congregation. And I would tell them many times when we sat in the office, I've told your pastor, I don't need you to preach today. If, if it's just preaching, we could get Balaam's donkey up here and the Lord could use him. I need you to tap into the word of the Lord and utilize your gift to be a blessing to this congregation. I don't, I, they don't just need to hear another sermon. And so this morning, I'm practicing my own medicine. I come today, with just a sermon, I come today with a charge, with a challenge. And I believe, as uh, Sister Becky said earlier, that whatever you do first sets a precedent for the rest. Last year, (laughs) the first Sunday of the new year, my wife and I were at home, we didn't go to church why was the pastors not at church because we had contracted COVID. And we sat there watching our service online and we looked at each other and we said this is very odd that in 30 years of pastoring we have never missed a New Year's Eve service and here we are home. Maybe the Lord is trying to tell us and that was the night we knew the Lord would be moving us. Whatever you do this Sunday sets a precedent for the rest of the year. So I'm going to tell you on the front end of my message what the back end is going to look like. At the end of this message, I want this altar filled with us saying to the Lord, I will not be bound by the fear of rejection. Touch a neighbor and tell him I will not be bound with the fear of rejection. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up as an elder son of a single parent mother. My mother was 16 years old when she gave birth to me. And growing up in a city like Cleveland, much like other densely populated urban environments, Pittsburgh, Chicago, uh, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, anytime there's dense uh, 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 populations, you have there are behavior traces you start to see that transcend location. It's funny, even as I travel through the Midwest, I start to see neighborhoods that look just like Cleveland, that just look like Gary Anna, that just looks like Pittsburgh, just looks like Chicago, Milwaukee, Manhattan. They all look the same. And one of the things we would do, we didn't have Xbox and PlayStation. They would tell us, go outside and play. (laughs) Somebody asked me one day, what did play mean? Play meant you played. You tapped into your imagination and you used your creativity to find something outside to do. And one of the things we would do when we would go outside to play if we would have pickup games, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. We didn't have formalized AAU teams. You know, my nephew is an AAU star. He travels, been traveling all over the country, right, playing basketball. And, but we didn't have anything like that. So you would stand up and somebody would say, let's play a game of football. Let's play a game of basketball or let's do something. And then it became who's going to pick. So you gotta choose your team. So usually the two best guys there were the ones that did the choosing. And it would go something like this. There'd be a whole crowd of us there and they would say, give me so and so. And the next guy would say, okay, if you picked him, let me see, I'm gonna pick so and so. And then you, you go down to pecking order. So the first ones you pick were the best, the brightest, the most talented, the most gifted, those that had the most to give. Because you're not playing the game to lose, you're playing to what? Come on, touch your neighbor, tell them I'm playing to win, I ain't playing to lose. And you would go down this pecking order till you got down to the last few people. And these are the ones nobody That's what I wanted. That's what I they had no talent, no ability, not much to give. And sadly, I often found myself in that group. That's why when I told you earlier, I'm so grateful that the Lord chose me. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. I'm grateful the Lord chose me. And and after you go through this selection process, those that don't get chosen, are rejected. Touch your neighbor and tell them rejected. The reason you reject someone is because you deem them inadequate. Nobody's going to pick you if they know you're not going to help contribute success. That's not how it works. In the time I grew up, there was no participation trophy. You know, my son played football. He, my son was a great athlete. He, to this day, he can play par golf. I mean, he's just a great, great athlete. Couldn't have went to college on a golf scholarship if he had so chills, but he decided not to. But nobody picks you knowing you're going to help them lose. You reject someone because you deem them inadequate to the task that you need them. I'm going somewhere this morning. And standing there being rejected has some emotional implications to it. It causes you to feel some kind of pain. When you start to think that I'm not good enough to be chosen, no one seems to value my contribution. Rejection. Come on, talk to me. Rejection can cause social anxiety to show up. It can increase your stress level, cause shame and embarrassment. It listen, rejection can destroy your self-perception what you think and how you feel about yourself. Rejection can damage your self-confidence. At the end of the day, rejection hurts. Touch your name and tell them rejection hurts. Rejection causes injury and wound and a stinging pain down in your soul. And whether it's the wounding of someone close or the scorn of someone we may love or or being dismissed by a friend I know I've lived long enough to know all of us in this room have some way somehow one way or another have experienced rejection you apply for a job they deem you inadequate you get rejected you try to lead a team Nobody values your influence, you get rejected. With all the feelings and impact and implication of rejection, I'm not talking about rejection today. That's not what I began with. The title of my message is The Fear of Rejection. Come on, talk to me. The fear of rejection. Can you say that? The fear. All right. See, y'all kind of like the church I used to pastor. We'd have to say things three or four times. Let's try again. The fear. All right, that sounds a little better. Let's sound, let's, let's sound like we were singing earlier. The fear. That's getting better. Come on. The fear of rejection. The Lord gave me that word to tell you. Do not be bound by the fear of rejection. Why? Because rejection is such a painful thing, Pastor. That I will at all costs avoid any circumstance or situation that could ever put me in the place where I could be rejected. I won't ever put myself out there. I won't ever take a risk. I won't ever take a chance because the possibility exists that I might get rejected. Dealing with real rejection is one thing, but it's a whole nother thing when we have a fear of rejection. We haven't been rejected yet. We haven't experienced those feelings and emotions and the hurt and the pain. But just the mental prospect that I might be rejected causes me to order my life to respond to the Holy Spirit. To deal with people around me in a certain way because I fear being rejected. If you fear being rejected, it's going to be hard to be a leader. If you fear being rejected, it's going to be hard to be a witness for Jesus Christ. If you fear being rejected, it's going to be hard to allow the Spirit of God to tap the gift of God that he sovereignly put inside of you buried deep within you that gets activated by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's going to be hard for the Spirit to work through you as long as you live under the fear of rejection. The text the Lord gave me to share with you is Psalm 118 verse 22. Do you have that up, brethren? Psalm 18 verse 22 through 24. Let's read it together. It reads like this. The stone that the builders the stone that the builders reject has become the cornerstone. Can we read it together? The stone that the the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice. And be glad in it. The scripture here gives us a prophetic declaration of the economy of God, how, how God works. The picture, the image, is that of a builder who is building a great structure. And as this builder is building his structure, he picks up a stone and examines it and looks at it and begins to determine its adequacy to the building that he's constructed. And if the stone, based on his estimation, is adequate enough, he will then use it to build with But if he deems the stone inadequate, it gets rejected. It's interesting that even stones that might be rough might have some jagged edges. He will take his hammer and begin to chisel away in order to make that stone fit the space that he needs it to. But that stone that's been rejected maintains its shape and form. Because he rejected it, there's nothing that he does to tailor it because he's already determined that it's a stone that just won't fit. Touch your neighbor and tell him it's okay not to fit. Saints of God, I want you to hear me this morning. Your fear of rejection will hinder you from being a witness for the Lord. Your fear of rejection. And so what you have done, and the assignment God has given me this morning, you have people to take chisel to you and chip away pieces of who you are. You begin to curtail yourself and allow yourself to have stuff cut away from you. That God sovereignly and beautifully assembled together to make you who you are. To be the vessel that he has called you and designed you to be. But you have allowed people to chip away at you just so you could fit in. I'm here to tell you this morning, the Lord is trying to tell you, you're not supposed to fit. It's good that they reject you. trying to fit in. Our calling is not to fit into the world. Our calling is not to fit into our generation. Our calling is not to think like they think, act like they act, speak like they speak. Our calling is to represent the kingdom of God. And as long as you have a spirit that says, I don't want to be rejected, I don't want them to make me feel like I'm inadequate, I don't want to be made that I don't fit, you'll never be who God has called you to be. Put your hands together and bless the Lord. That stone that got rejected maintains its height, its width, its shape. David was rejected. When the prophet came to his father's house, the prophet said, I put the oil on your first son, it don't run. I go to the second, the oil don't flow. I go to the third. The oil is stopped. I went all the way down Jesse and the oil is supposed to run on God's chosen. They say, well, there's another boy. But he's the youngest. He's the keeper of the flock. The prophet said, get him. Bring him here. I will not be seated until I set my eyes on this young man. And when David came. And the prophet held that horn of oil over just over David's head. The oil began to flow on his head. Down the locks of his hair. Down to his garment. And began to even touch David's feet. You see David knew. That his father had rejected him. But he didn't let the fear of rejection cause him to stop. He became a giant killer. With the oil on his head. His father sent him to deliver some cheese sandwiches to his brothers. But David didn't let that fear of rejection Stop him from being who the Lord had called him to be. He was a giant killer. He knew how to subdue the enemies of Israel. He became the sweet psalmist of Israel. You have to live in a place where you don't care about being rejected. I just want to be who the Lord has called me to be. I just want to do what God has called me to do. Joseph was rejected. Interesting story in the Bible of how they threw Joseph in a pit, stripped him of his role. And I imagine Joseph overhearing his brothers have a conversation that went something like this. Okay, how are we going to kill him? Your brothers, how are we going to kill him? And then Reuben, the elders, intervened, he said, no, 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 well, he is our brother. I mean, come on. After all, he is our brother. And if we kill him, what profit do we have in shedding his blood? Let's sell him into slavery. Your brothers, you have to hear it. Imagine the pain, the hurt, the injury. Joseph felt hearing this conversation from the lips of his own brothers. Rejected. But the favor of God was over Joseph's life. Hey, listen to me. Because of the favor of God, Joseph was slowed into slavery, but when he ends up in Potiphar's house, he runs Potiphar's house. Lied on, he goes to prison, gets in the prison, because of the favor of God over his life, he runs the prison. Because of the favor of God, his supernatural gift gets activated, and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. Because of the favor of God, he rules. And reigns in Egypt. What if Jacob? What if Joseph had allowed the fear of rejection to stop him? Touch your neighbor, tell him I will not be bound by the fear of rejection. I will not. I will not. The prophetic implications are this. God has gifted you. If you believe God has gifted you, raise your hand. God has anointed you. If you believe he anointed you, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has a call on your life. Let me tell you something. I saw a video the other day. They say if you take the 52 playing cards, you shuffle them. Mathematicians said, there has never in the history of humanity ever been a shuffle like that, ever. You take the cards, you shuffle them again. There has never been the order of those cards, numerically. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime occasion every time you shuffle cards. That order of cards has never, ever existed before. Let me tell you something. There has never been another you. God was not testing some new process when he created you. When he allowed you to be born in the family you were born in, in the times of the generation you were born in, under the circumstance that you were born. My mother was a 16-year-old girl when she got pregnant. Nobody wants that for their, for their child. She went home and had to tell her mother, my grandmother, that she was pregnant. And my great-grandmother was still alive then, her grandmother. And my grandmother, my mom used to tell me, began to beat her for getting pregnant. And my grandmother's name was Naomi. And Big Mama, that's what we called her. Big Mama stopped her to her grandmother. Said, Naomi, don't beat that child. You don't know God's plan for that baby. Listen to me, you are not an accident, you are not a spare part, you are not a spare tire, you are not something that God has on the shelf waiting for somebody else to die to get you in alignment with your plan and your purpose. God has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a call, he has an anointing, he has a gift over your life that to activate this year 2023, and you are gonna stop letting the fear of rejection hinder you from stepping into all that the Lord has called you to in Jesus' name. Put your hands together and bless the Lord. Turn it on for me. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. The text says the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is a prophetic picture of our Lord Jesus. Imagine if Jesus had allowed the fear of rejection to govern his life. Being rejected, what if Jesus had allowed the stone masons of the Pharisees with their sledgehammers of attitudes and their chisels of self righteousness to whittle away at his being and his purpose and his calling and his anointing? He would have not been the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Savior of the world. He would have been the Jewish Messiah, but not the Savior of humanity. Isaiah picked it up and Isaiah told us who has believed our report. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up like a tender plant before him, like a root out of dry ground. He has no form of majesty that we should look upon him, no beauty that we should should desire him. He was despised and rejected. The Lord knew what it meant to be rejected. He said in Matthew 21 verse 42, have you not read? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Mark 8 31 says, and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. See, this fear of rejection can cause you to silence the power of your voice. This fear of rejection can cause you to dampen down and, and 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 squelch and mute the prophetic gift of god on your life this fear of rejection can cause you to be so outwardly concerned about people's thoughts and their opinions of you and what they think about you and how they feel about you and how they treat you and if you're doing it right or if somebody did it better if somebody has more experience or expertise but can I just liberate you today can I just free you up today can I tell you don't fear being rejected God has a plan for your life let's stand together God has a purpose for your life God has something in store for you in 2023 I like doing case studies is what I call them from Scripture. I'm going to take you through a case study this morning as I close this message. The apostle Peter suffered from this fear of rejection. The night the Lord went to the garden to pray, Matthew 26 verse 40 says that Peter slept. And when Jesus got through praying and prayed through to victory, that he found Peter and said, Peter, could you not pray with me for just one hour? And Peter started to feel that rejection. And and when Jesus was being prosecuted, the Bible says in Mark 14 54 that Peter followed at a far distance and that spirit, that fear of rejection started to set up in him and he was warming himself by the fire in the courtyard of the high priest and, and, and then the little girl said I hear by your accent that you're one of those Galileans that it was with this man and Peter said I don't know the man and began to uh, deny the Lord and began to curse, and the Bible says that the rooster crowed, and, and after he denied him three times, and Peter said that he remembered the words of the Lord, and he went out and wept bitterly, and 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 then as the Lord was left from judgment hall to judgment hall, and moved from Pilate's house, and was was beaten and stripped and whipped. Peter was nowhere to be found. He let that fear of rejection cause him to make a determination that he turned to the other disciples and said well I'm just going to go back to fishing. I guess this chief apostle thing is not going to work for me. I guess that what the Lord called us to do is not going to work for me. I guess my season is over and my time is past and now there's no more hope and no more opportunity left for me. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 16 verse number 7 that when the angel came down and announced that the Lord has risen he told the women go tell his disciples and Peter. Why did he single out Peter? Because Peter had allowed the fear of rejection to cause him to walk in self-denial and self-criticism and self-shame and it had allowed him to condemn himself and to declare that there was nothing left for the Lord to do with him. And so the angel said... Peter is still in the number. Peter is still numbered with his brothers. Peter is still part of the kingdom work. Peter is still a part of what the Lord has to accomplish in this generation. And I'm here today to call forth the Peters this morning. To stop hiding amongst the stuff as King Saul did. And determine that in 2023. The Lord is going to use me till he use me up. That I'm going to give God the very best That I have to give. I'm going to give him everything. Withholding nothing. It's not going to be a song that we sing. It's going to be a reality in my life. I'm giving him everything. I'm giving him everything. If they reject you. So what? They rejected him. But the text said. That very stone that was rejected is now God chose it and set it as the cornerstone to build the entire structure of his work in the earth on that cornerstone. See when people look at us they begin to weigh us and see are you adequate for what I need. But God already knows that the gift he put inside of you makes you more than enough. God already knows that your story, your narrative somebody asked me Dr. Williams, surely your father must have been a preacher. (laughs) My, (laughs) My father, my father, one of the most meanest men you could have ever met in this life. My father was a lifelong heroin addict, Vietnam veteran, dysfunctional man. One day he was dying in the hospital. He had liver cancer, and we went to see him, my wife and I. And I walked in the room, and you could tell he was on his last. He said, "He said, son, help me go to the bathroom." And I helped him up. And as he's going, I will say, like my like my mother-in-law used to say, "He took in short." Y'all know what I mean when I, you know what I mean when I say that. He didn't make it to the bathroom. He messed himself, and I'm there and I'm cleaning him change his bed clothing, help him get back in bed. My wife is here, she'll tell you. And the next words out of his mouth, he starts cussing me out. And my wife got so upset, she began to say, Dad, you ought to be ashamed of yourself to talk to your son this way. He just helped you. See, that that, that rejection, pastor the Lord told me to tell you it's okay not to fit the Lord said just like I took the stone that the builders rejected I'm going to build something in this city around the assembly that people are going to look at and wonder how did this thing get built by that group of folk it's because you stay true and authentic to yourself so this first Sunday of 2023 I want to call you forward no more hiding amongst the stuff no more downplaying who I am to fit in no more rationalizing and apologizing God wants you to stand up and stand under the anointing and the gift of God that he has put and planted within you there are visionary leaders in this house this morning but you're hiding there are great apostolic visionaries but you're hiding They are prophetic, intercessory warriors, but you're hiding. And the Lord says, stop hiding. Stand up under the gift that I have placed over your life. If that's you, I want you to come right now. As your first act of this new year. And say, Lord, the fear of rejection will not hold me anymore. I'm going to be who you called me to be. Come on. I'm going to be who you called me to be. I'm going to rededicate myself, recommit myself, renew the call of God on my life. I have allowed people to cut and carve me so I can fit in a space that they have designated for me. The devil is a liar. Lift your hand and say, the devil is a liar. God has a space for me. You a lying devil, if you ain't got space for me, my father's gonna create a space for me. You don't let me sit at your table, I'll build my own table. You don't want me in your line, I'm gonna find somebody that sees the value that I have to offer. The Bible said unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord keeps a city, they labor in vain that keep it. There's some millionaires in this room, but you've been hiding. You've been afraid. You've been afraid of being rejected. Some of you, you've been, God has called you to invest in real estate, but fear of rejection. Oh, come on, I wish I was preaching right this morning. I said the fear of rejection has caused you to stop, to put your life and your calling and your entrepreneurial endeavors that you will undertake to the glory of God, you put them on pause because of the fear of rejection. Some of you are living under the word that has been cursed over your life by a second grade school teacher. The devil is a liar. We're going to set you free this morning. Some of you are bound by what a junior high coach said to you. The devil is a liar. You're going to go free this morning. Because the Lord, come on, say it with me. The Lord has a plan for my life. Lift your hands to the Lord. Hear what Peter said. Come, wife. Elders, if you can make your way forward, this is the direction the pastor gave me. Make your way forward because we're going to have a time of prayer at this altar we can get some oil. Today is a consecration service. I said today is a consecration service. Where the gifts of God are going to be released. The oil is going to flow over your life. Because the Lord chose you. I said, the Lord chose you. I said, the Lord chose you. Others may have rejected you, but the Lord chose you. Lift your hands and just begin to celebrate and say, God, I thank you that you chose me. Peter, hear the words he wrote. 1 Peter chapter two, verse four. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. Now he's talking about the Lord. But in the sight of God, he is precious and chosen. Help us, apostles. You yourself, come on. Say, you're talking about me. Like living stones are being built up to a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hear what he said. See, you gotta have a strong. If you're gonna endure rejection, you gotta have a strong identity. Your identity can't be in the in, in in the in the in the in the eyes or esteem of men. Your identity has to be built on what your father has said about you. So Peter reaches back. It says, "Behold." I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. Any believers in the room. I says any believers in the room. He said, those that don't believe the stone which the builders rejected has become the corner. Go to the next verse for me. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. Watch this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I know who I am. Begin to prophesy to yourself, I know who I am. I know who the Lord has called me to be. I am not what people have claimed me to be. I am who the Lord says that I am. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh hallelujah You will not be bound by the fear of rejection Come on begin to lift your hands And give God praise Come on lift your hands and begin to give God praise I will not be bound By the fear Of rejection Once we were not a people But now You are God's people Once you didn't experience mercy Now you have received mercy This year is a year of prophetic destiny this year is a year of anointed service this year is the year where we see people come to know Jesus I recently heard a story about a Chicago gangster who was buried in his Rolls Royce you ever heard of something so foolish You buried in a Rolls Royce. Do you not know that that car is in the ground, rottening as we speak? Do you not know that these earthly things don't matter? Do you know what's valued and precious to the heart of God? It's people. And when you hinder your gift flowing, When you stymie your voice, when you refuse to speak, you are stopping the Spirit of God flowing through you to bless another person. I'm so glad Mabel Eubanks, my best friend's mother, growing up, told me about a man named Jesus. She wasn't bound by the fear of rejection. She didn't care what I thought about her. She could have cared less if I stopped coming to her house to eat a biscuit. But she knew God had a plan for my life. Listen, activate the gift of God over your life. Lift your hands right now and just say the word activate, activate, activate. Activate, activate, activate. activate." Holy Ghost, activate. Spirit of God, activate. Spirit of God, activate. Spirit of God, activate. Activate. Stir it up. No more silence. No more blessed quietness. I'm going to flow with my gift. I'm going to flow with my anointing. Dreamers, it's time to dream again. Teachers, it's time to preach again. Evangelists, it's time to evangelize again. Prophets, it's time to prophesy again. I've 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 been chosen. 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 No more silence. No more secrets. I've been chosen. I've been chosen. Peter, the Lord have need of you. I've been chosen.